Hello and welcome to the Small World Podcast, a podcast where you are the topic of conversation. I'm your host, Chris Long. <laughs> and with us this week, we have... That's where you come oh. in, guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jordan. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are y'all doing? Good, good. Glad to have you on this week. I'm super, super pumped. I've been waiting for this. I would say for a long time, but maybe about like two weeks. <laughs> so I guess to kick things off, um, we'll give a little bit of intro into who you are. So Jordan is a sports reporter with the University of Texas's school newspaper, The Daily Texan. Horns down. I'm going to say that once and then probably never again. Um, <laughs> but um, the look of shock. I can't see you rotated the. Hey, there's the guest. <laughs> but um, <laughs> horns down. Um, so do you want to give just a little brief synopsis about how we met each other? Um, essentially through the daily Texan covering the baseball beat, I have pretty much weekly reached out to every reporter that covers the baseball team for their student newspaper. And you were actually really hard to find. I tried cyber stalking you like on Instagram, on Twitter. I could not find your account. What? Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. Because I was reaching out to you to do that Q&A. But I could, most of the time I just Twitter DM like who I want to have the Q&A with. But I couldn't find your Twitter. And I couldn't find your Instagram. So I ended up having to reach out to your paper and then go through like whoever I was talking to, I'm assuming your sports editor, finally get your email address. Most of the time, this is like a 20 minute process. This was like a day and a half process. <laughs> but, but I finally got your contact information. I reached out to you and then we hopped on a Zoom call that next day to talk about the Texas ECU Super Regional. Oh no. Oh, she froze. It's okay. It's not gonna show up in the actual podcast. Just <laughs> Anyway, so we hopped in a Zoom call, and then what? And then we talked about um, the Texas ECU Super Regional. Yep. I didn't realize there was as much cyber stalking involved as she said there was. <laughs> oh, there was a lot. So I'm, I'm an orientation advisor for UT, and in between my academic advising appointments, I was just trying to find your account. Like, all of the... <laughs> I think I was probably searching for your account for like probably a solid hour. So you were like, let me help you decide your classes. And then where's Chris? <laughs> was there any yes. point you tried to reach out to anyone else at the East Carolinian? Um, honestly, no, because I liked Chris's writing the best. And I thought that he would probably give me the best Q and a, and I'm really stubborn. So I decided that I didn't really want to talk to anybody else. I just wanted to talk to Chris. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Did that Q&A ever get posted? I don't think I've read it. <laughs> so I ended up, I didn't post it as a transcript. I posted it as basically a preview. And I'm assuming you're not on Twitter because <laughs> before I even got to repost it, some of your fan accounts for the for ECU started reposting it. Oh, first. that's crazy. 
Yeah, I yeah. have yet to read it. So, like, if you could send me a link, that would be... for for a second, I didn't register as ECU fan accounts. I thought you were Chris's fan accounts. I was like, I don't think Chris is that big, but okay. There is a fan account for me somewhere on Instagram, but we don't. You can find that on your own volition. <laughs> I know the name. So I guess I'm going through your tagged photos after this. Uh, I don't know if I'm tagged in any of them. I mean, I guess you can. You can try to find it. You're, it's going to be a lot of inside jokes that you Your won't hint. understand. Your hint is okay. goose, if you can find it off of that. Oh, my uh, gosh. Goose? Give me two minutes. <laughs> two minutes? <laughs> you couldn't find my Instagram? That was literally just my name with not in front of it. <laughs> okay, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of Chris Longs. <laughs> I, I was struggling a little bit. You didn't You didn't have big enough of an account to... Come up Yikes. Early, I guess. <laughs> she said I'm not big baller enough. Uh I don't know. Let's look it up. It's, it's gonna take like three seconds. I have one thousand three hundred and nine followers. It's way more than me. And I'm following four hundred and fifty three people. You're too cool. You gotta keep that ratio at the nice level, you know. My ratio is bad because I got my Instagram account whenever I was like in seventh grade. Oh. So I made it a point to like follow every single player that ever played for the Houston Texans and every player that was ever signed. <laughs> like even if it was just like to the pra- like the practice roster. <laughs> so I think I did that for probably like three or four years. So I'm following all of these people that are still not in the NFL and I like can't remember. <laughs> are you following Mark Ingram? Probably. He was on the Texans for a minute. Yeah. Shout out to I, Mark sure Ingram. First running Mark back Ingram, to ever win a Heisman. My king. My king. <laughs> Love Mark Ingram. All right. So let's throw it back for just a little bit. Uh, take it all the way back to, I guess, the beginning of your life. What's it like growing up in Texas? Um, It's really hot and it's really humid. Honestly, I've always like grown up in the city. So it's... It's just really crazy diverse. I mean, there wasn't ever really like a majority race at my high school. So you had a lot of like variety in the people that you interacted with, but that's not Houston. I mean, I mean, that's just like Houston in general. That's, Mm. I mean, honestly, just basically any big city in Texas, everywhere else in Texas is just like really small and country and conservative. And then Houston is just all over the place that dynamic between like the big cities and the rural the left and right wing divide i was um watching a video that stumbled across my youtube like a few weeks ago about how houston is terribly it's like the worst mapped city for pedestrians like just because it's such a car driving based city (laughs) but like in terms of trying to walk anywhere there's like no sidewalks that are good or anything there you can maybe walk around in like the museum district of downtown Houston, but even that it's, it's a really weird area because it's like really affluent, but then you walk like a block away and then you're in the third ward. So it's, it's still not even like super safe to walk around, but yeah, Houston Mm -hmm. has horrible like public transportation. There isn't really any sidewalks. Um, I live in the suburbs though, so there wouldn't be (laughs) sidewalks anyways. You just drive everywhere. What is your answer to the public transportation crisis in Houston? Um, 
tear it all down and try and rebuild it. (laughs) (laughs) They just start over. (laughs) I mean, Houston's already so bad, especially like with flooding and everything, because obviously we're a coastal city, but then there's like concrete everywhere just because of roads and new housing developments. So everything floods. So maybe just like ripping everything up and starting it all over again. Today I learned that Houston is a coastal city. I had no idea. Wait, where, where, where Houston was? Uh, somewhere in Texas. That's that's fair accurate. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was like you never in the, the south, southeastern midpoint, somewhere in there. You ever seen the shots of Houston from like the waterfront, like <laughs> mode? I mean, to be fair, it's not like right on the water or anything. It's probably like, well, depending on where you are, like 30 minutes to an hour away. Gotcha. Is there like a river or something? Yeah, there's lots of like creeks and rivers that run through Houston. Okay, I might have seen like a river shot or something. I don't know. I may just be imagining this, but I promise (laughs) I've seen like a a water shot of some some of it. I knew it wasn't the ocean. I just knew it was a body of water. I mean, it could be a lake, too. We have a few man-made lakes. Man-made lakes? Not very... Yeah. Okay, so Texas, I think like we only have a few like actual natural lakes. Pretty much all of our lakes are man-made. That's crazy. All the water, Sid. Austin, were you saying something about Austin? Yeah, I think so. I've been to Austin, Texas. So I was wondering how that compares to Houston. Um, yeah, Austin is definitely pretty different. I mean, people around here kind of describe it as like it's like liberal hippie cowboys. Like liberal hippie that- cowboys. <laughs> such a combination. What a trichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely definitely a fun time i mean the city itself is very eclectic it's very political because it is where like the state capital is but it's really interesting because obviously texas is a red state but then everyone in austin pretty much is like very very liberal and progressive except for like people on the outskirts like think um lake travis westlake football like those those kind of schools like especially like out in west austin it gets more conservative but yeah, definitely. Like, there's a lot of music concerts, um, a lot of like really fun, unique things to do around Austin. And I do need to add one thing to North Carolina guys next to me. So <laughs> I'm convinced the best barbecue in the world is in Texas. All right, end it there. Um, the pod's <laughs> over. The pod's canceled. We have, to, we have to touch on this because we mentioned Austin, Texas. Have you ever been to Terry Black Barbecue? Um, I haven't, but everybody else seems to have. I mean, I've only been here for a year. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, best barbecue ever. So, I kind of need your opinion, though. Have you ever heard seen Carolinian barbecue? Carolina, I know how to say it, barbecue. Carolinian. I mean, I eat Carolinian barbecue whenever I live in Texas. Exactly. It's better. Okay. You have two different types they of barbecue. They smoke the barbecue. Like, put, well, first of all, they put vinegar on it. Mistake number one. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. They don't smoke it. They put barbecue or vinegar on it, and that's it, basically. Jordan, you've got to take a trip to North Carolina. You need to experience East North it. Carolina barbecue. Yes, eat. There's a difference because Eastern and Western North Carolina barbecue are not the same thing. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of East Carolina barbecue, but it's good. It's it's a completely different experience than any other barbecue. It's not barbecue. <laughs> At least, okay. So number one, you're just wrong. Number two. At least it's not South Carolina where it's mustard based. Okay, I'll give you that. 
That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. If they don't smoke it, what do they do to it? They just like put it in the oven. Put it in an oven? What? You don't even know oven, how they make oven it. Oven bake. <laughs> it's just an oven pig. So I'll put it this way. Classic Texas or Georgia barbecue place. You smell mesquite. That's you smell mesquite wood. You smell tastiness. Mm -hmm. right? Tasty food. You go to Carolina barbecue, all you smell is grease and fried chicken. <laughs> It's true. It's a, this is a bad representation. <laughs> I don't think this is completely accurate. They eat hush puppies barbecue. It's good. <laughs> yeah. But hush puppies. Hush puppies are What's amazing. wrong with hush puppies? Hush puppies corn sticks are, kind of weird. Corn are delicious. <laughs> Wait, what's a corn stick? <laughs> it's not a stick of corn. Straight into a it's incredible. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and it's not the sweet corn kind of cornbread either. It's like the, you know, that really dry, salty cornbread. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's incredible. You don't know what you're missing out on. <laughs> if you haven't been to Parker's, I don't know what. No, ah, uh, <laughs> Parker's Barbecue put Wilson on the map. Okay, I'm rambling now. We can go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of growing up in Texas, um, there's something you mentioned to me last night. That we just have to address because I had no idea what it mean meant. What is a warrior cat's kid, and why were you one? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What is warrior cats? Let's start there. You're gonna have to let me gain my composure. <laughs> okay, so basically, um, Warriors was a book series, and they made like seriously eighty or ninety of these books. <laughs> And the entire premise of these books were essentially that they were these talking cats that <laughs> lived in clans, and they all fought each other. Okay. So, <laughs> and then they had they had their own religion with like basically the. <laughs> oh my god! Please keep going. <laughs> you don't sound ridiculous at all. Please keep going. It sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> They had like cat heaven and cat hell. But then <laughs> okay. the cat the cat like the dead cats would actually come down. Oh, and we find, lost her? Like the cats that were alive. Like the dead cat uh, the dead cats could kill the cats that were alive. That's an unstoppable. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly so absurd, but essentially like me and my nerdy group of friends that all were hyper fixated on these books every day would play warrior cats at recess where basically we would walk around on all fours and we would pr pretend to fight each other. We would all have different roles. Like one person would be the leader. One person would be the deputy. One person would be the medicine cat, which that is a whole nother conversation. They literally drug these cats in these books. What? And then, <laughs> and then there were the warriors who were basically like the cat army. But yeah, we would walk around on all fours and we would go on border patrol, which is where we like pretended to pee on stuff to mark the territory. <laughs> I um I'm gonna stay in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> so you're the feline <laughs> equivalent of a horse girl, is what I'm hearing. Oh yeah, we would absolutely hiss at people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so in Warrior Cats, they have like their own like curse words that they use. <laughs> so like. Like, you would call people, like, mouse dung or mouse brain or fox dung. No. 
or or like a kitty pet if you were lazy because a kitty pet in the warrior cats universe was a house cat mm. and that was like a super big insult was to call somebody a kitty pet and so how long did this obsession persist <laughs> um I discovered warrior cats like <laughs> whenever I was in second or third grade and then I kind of eased out of my warrior cats phase actually whenever I discovered sports so oh. honestly NFL football was my savior I eased out of warrior cats by the time I was in middle school so I was not walking around with a cat tail so we <laughs> dodged a couple of bullets and so you found sports you decided to become a Texans fan for whatever reason Okay, so there's a little bit of a story behind that, too. So whenever I was in fourth grade, like, that was the year that the Houston Texans made the playoffs for the first time. And a lot of people <laughs> thought, hey, you know what? We're, we're an expansion team. It was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so the Texans made the playoffs for the first time in 2011. And a lot of the people around me were super hype about it, as they should. I mean, it's the first time that the hometown team had made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I ended up watching the divisional game against the Ravens with my family. And that was the first time I had ever watched a football game. I did not have any idea what was going on. I knew nothing about football, but I knew that Jacoby Jones kept dropping the ball and that made me really upset. And he was the reason why we lost. So then I vowed to hate the Baltimore Ravens and Jacoby Jones to this day. <laughs> And then he joined forces and helped them win a Super Bowl. Oh. Yes. Yes. He Whenever he had, like, that 100, 809-yard, like, kickoff return, I literally started crying. A 900-yard oh. kickoff return? That's crazy. <laughs> Not 9. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but He started off in the Falcon Stadium and ended up in Baltimore Stadium? Yes, basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was mean. No, you're okay. <laughs> I'm used to the harassment. We are too. Yeah. So, who in Texans history is your favorite player? Um, I mean, I think I definitely grew up a big DeAndre Hopkins fan. Hmm. I had an entire emotional breakdown whenever he got traded. I'm a Cardinals fan. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm so. Happy. <laughs> yeah. I still will never get over it. I have a ton of DeAndre Hopkins merch, like in my childhood bedroom at home. Like, I have a signed helmet, I have a couple oh, wow. of signed pictures. And I also, like, am a huge, like, Clemson fan. I almost went to Clemson instead of UT. And um, yeah, so I've been following his career for a really long time. Now, if you would have asked me that same question a year ago, I would have said Sean Watson, but. I mean, ah, it just uh, did not age well. Uh, to be yeah, fair, no. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have known at the time. So, <laughs> like... No, no, nobody knew. Exactly, it's fair. <laughs> the Browns made one of the worst decisions of all time by trading for Deshaun Watson. You know, I was mad when the Saints didn't acquire him, but looking at it now, I'm very thankful that they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just the Browns is front office being incompetent as per usual it's yep. been a trend for the past 20 years yeah. speaking of incompetent front offices this has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about and so i apologize oh, no. but did you guys <laughs> see the new york's knicks draft yes oh my gosh they traded away the 11th and the 13th pick and one of their highest salaried players for literally nothing 
so that they may be able to sign someone in free agency. It was awful. I'd be so pressed if yeah, I was a Knicks fan. They're a rebuilding fan. team. It's not like they have a winning chance if they signed anybody. Yeah. That sounds like the only Knicks fans, I'm praying for you. <laughs> anyway, that had nothing to do with anything that we were talking about, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay. But uh, your love of sports kind of translated when you moved to Texas, correct? Oh, I, I grew up in Texas. I meant like the University of Texas. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. Except it definitely got like more college based because you're going to root for like the team that you go to. Right. So what brought you to the University of Texas? Well, I grew up being a huge UT fan, not even because any of my parents or any of my family went there, but because like I was born in Austin. A lot of my family is from Austin. My mom went there for like a year or so, but then ended up being pregnant with me and never finished. So, I mean, it's honestly the best public school in Texas. Pretty much everybody that goes to UT, honestly, are like rice rejects. So it's just like the second best option. Um, we also have a really good like journalism, sports communications as program and a really great alumni network. And it's only two hours away from home. So I got a lot of money to go to Clemson, but at the end of the day, it was still going to be more expensive and way too far <laughs> for me to feasibly do. So ended up going to UT. When we had our Zoom call the first time we met, you gave a comparison about all the Texas schools. Can you run through that one more time? <laughs> a comparison? Oh, like... Like you just said, how um, everyone who goes to UT are rice rejects. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had one so for every, all the schools. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. So everyone who gets rejected from rice goes to UT. Everyone who gets rejected from UT goes to A&M. And then if you get rejected from A&M, you're probably going to Texas Tech or Texas State, which is like our public schools. If you get rejected from those, you're doing... You're having a little bit of a rough time. You're, you're going to Carlton. <laughs> so you're telling me that or you're at SFA. Um, well, that's different because he got recruited through football. But, I mean, if, if we're just going off, like, academic performance, yeah, he was rejected from – he didn't apply to Rice, but he got rejected from UT and A&M. Oh, wow. Tough. <laughs> well, I don't think he was that – well, he was decent college. He was really good in college. He was really good in college. But it, he was on Texas Tech, though. So it's he like, was on yeah. that. Yeah, you, you couldn't be that good. He was on that air raid offense. <laughs> so what do you think about uh, UTSA? Um, essentially, UTSA, honestly, a lot of the people that I know that go there really enjoy it. But UT has what we call a cap program. So if you don't get into UT but you kind of get into UT, like you're good enough to get in, but they don't have enough space for you. They send you to UTSA for a year and then you come in as an undeclared liberal arts student your sophomore year. Oh, wow. I actually didn't know that, but uh, UTSA is join joining the American Athletic Conference. So mm -hmm. they have a dome? Yes, they, they play in a dome, the football team. Oh, the uh -huh. Alma Dome? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's kind of rough. <laughs> it's, it's a little raggedy. I used to have like... I used to do competitive cheer, and we would have, like, cheer competitions in the Alamodo. Uh, competitive cheer? Yeah, I did competitive cheer. We got to hear more about that now that we're here. You didn't put that in the show notes. <laughs> well, okay, so have y'all seen, like, the Netflix documentary Cheer? No. I, 
I have not seen okay. the Netflix documentary. <laughs> In okay, fact, well, essentially, go ahead. I'm like, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Competitive cheer is literally like a cheer team builds a routine and competes against other cheer programs. And it's composed of like dance, pyramid, stunts, running, tumbling, standing, tumbling, and jumps. And it's all like to music. And it's only like two and a half minutes long. But cheer competition sucked because you had to wake up at like four in the morning, you had to get like all your makeup on, um, you had to get your hair done. And then you drove up to the actual convention site and you were there for like eight hours, even though you're only warming up for like 30 minutes and you only performed for two and a half hours. Wow. And then after, like, like you probably, like, waited, like, two hours for the awards show. And then you got to sit through, like, who all won their divisions. Hmm. That sounds rough. Especially because I had asthma. Like, during, during the routines, <laughs> I was usually dying. So my coach oh, no. used to have to, like, hold my inhaler for me. So, like, immediately after the routine, I would run to her and, like, have to take my inhaler. Oh, my gosh. Was, like, die. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, we need to pause for a second. What you, what's happening? Um, I gotta get him to turn that TV volume cool. down. Oh, is that what that it's is? It's blasting. <laughs> you can step out if you need to. I okay, mean, we're paused. Get the time from twenty four something. Just right. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Exact. Austin's gonna have to do all the turn. Ah man, careful with my camera. <laughs> Sorry. You're okay. There's someone in the other room. You're good. So anyway, not to crap on competitive cheer, my bad. <laughs> Honestly, competitive cheer was a terrible experience. So Sorry to make you talk about it. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time. Just looking back, it was pretty horrible. Mm, gotcha. Almost. All right. We're starting. All right. 2607. So isn't there like a series of movies about competitive cheer? Like they made them like in the mid 2000s. Oh, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. (laughs) Remember that. It's actually like a huge cultural staple of like both like competitive cheer and school cheer programs. Like they introduced this thing called a spirit stick in like the bring it on movies where essentially like you would decorate this stick to like have like your colors and everything on it and if you drop this beard stick then it brought you bad luck competitive cheer was like really superstitious for no reason (laughs) so it's like if you did good at practice you got to like hold on to the spirit stick and if you dropped it like something horrible would happen like you got injured or your team would like lose their competition oh and i always (laughs) i always thought it was a little bit bs but then one girl who had the spear stick dropped the spear stick and then broke her thumb at the next clip. <laughs> that was not an accident. They have a guy named Sergey out back just waiting for someone to drop the stick. <laughs> he greases the floor a little bit. After you <laughs> Did you ever hold the stick? Yes. Did you ever drop have, the stick? I, I've never dropped it. <laughs> I like protected that stick with my life. I would, it's like whenever I would get home with the sphered stick, I would like tuck it away in my socks drawer so that my little brother wouldn't be able to grab it. Oh, no. And then, like, to our next year practice or competition or whatever, like, I would wrap it up in like scarves that I had to make sure that, like, even if it fell, like, it wouldn't really fall. So, was it like just not allowed to touch the floor? Not allowed to touch the floor. 
Well, I mean, you could place it on the floor, but you couldn't drop it. What if you drop it and it doesn't hit the floor? Does that still count? Um, I mean, that's probably a technicality. Um, the logistics maybe. of the spirit stick are just I all over the place. <laughs> I wouldn't want to try it. Like if I was, if I was still in competitive cheer, that is not a risk that I would be willing to take. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, bouncing back to the University of Texas. <laughs> okay. Hard transition back. <laughs> Got it. So, you had a lot of scholarship offers from Clemson, but it was too far from home. So, you decided mm-hmm. UT. We, did you have a vision of what you wanted to do coming into UT, or is that something that you figured out later? So, I think that I definitely wanted to do something in sports. I think coming out of high school, I really wanted to do something with sports broadcasting, which it was kind of nice to go to UT because we had the Longhorn Network. And I ended up figuring out pretty quickly that I had no interest in sports broadcasting. Not that I even like really tried it out, but rather I just found a couple of other things that I was more passionate about. Mm. So that led you to the Daily Texan, correct? Yeah, but there was a little bit of time it took to get there because I th- this is my first year. I started last fall. Okay, so what? But I was. What's the in between there? So during our orientation, I was graduating class of 2020 out of high school. So my orientation was completely online, and we had an optional program where we essentially got to like have lunch with our orientation advisor and like we'd get to know each other, do icebreakers, and. I joined into the optional programming on Zoom and I was not paying attention. I was probably like scrolling through Instagram or something. And they did an icebreaker question where we essentially had to answer if we had to have lunch with anybody, who would it be? And I was voluntold to go first. So I did not get to think through my answer. And I still feel very stupid for saying this. I said Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster? What? (laughs) First person. First person that popped into my head, oh, oh, oh. and I got a lot of crap for it. But then you I, had a guy, I had a guy cyberstalk oh, me and DM me on Instagram, essentially harassing me for being a Steelers fan. And I was like, I'm not a Steelers fan. I just really like Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really want to have lunch with him. But then me and this guy could like continue to talk and I'm like, oh, he's cute and he's like interested in sports. So I'm going to take like this no cheering in the press box class was it was like essentially like a class that fulfilled one of our core requirements. But it was about like sports and its impact on American culture. Mm. And through that class, the guy thing like that didn't really work out. He was honestly kind of dry and he's a Kansas City fan. So red flag. But I got really close with the professor, and he was the one who told me that I should go for the Daily Texan and try out sports journalism. Nice. So two red flags turn into a green one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And so what was the process of joining the Daily Texan? What did that look like? Um... Honestly, it wasn't too bad. Essentially, in the summer, they sent out interest forms. And you had to write, like, I think just a like, a really easy article where you were given all the information and just had to, like, structure mm-hmm. and just, like, basic like, journalistic writing. And then the sports editor got in contact with me and had me choose from, like, one of three prompts to write about. 
And I wrote about um, Charlie Collier, a women's basketball player that went number one in the draft and like was from Texas. And after that, I hopped on an interview with him and I got the position and 24 hours later, I was reporting on a volleyball game. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So what was your first volleyball game like? Um, thrown into that environment. Honestly, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm really just proud of myself for not quitting like after that <laughs> night. Oh gosh. <laughs> because so Texas volleyball at the time was the preseason number one, the current number one, it was fairly early into their season and we were playing Arizona, not a very good volleyball program. And Texas really had to like gut out that win. It, it was not an easy win for them, which made the coach very unhappy mm-hmm. and i was sitting in our like, basically the media room in gregory gym and i was getting all of my audio stuff set up i had never like conducted a press conference or like an interview with the coach before so i was pretty nervous it's the only one in there and then the head coach walks in and he slams the door open and he screams out man that game was such shit. that game was such bullshit. And I am sitting there, I drop my pen, I whip around, my eyes are huge. And he looks over at me and he goes, oh, are you new? I, I don't know what to say at this point. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, I go, yeah, I'm new, I'm Jordan. And that's all they say. And he, he looks at me and he goes, have you ever played volleyball before? And I'm like, no, sir, I can't say that I have. He scoffs at me and then just like throws all of his stuff down and sits at the table. So at this point, I'm waiting for um, the athlete and our sports information director to come in. Eventually, um, the athlete that I was interviewing, Asia O'Neill, she essentially gets like pushed in there by like the assistant coach, and she locks eyes with Coach Elliot, and like she makes eye contact, and then proceeds to sit on the opposite end of the table. And then the SID comes in, he makes eye contact with me, kind of smiles, and essentially mouths good luck because. Coach Elliot is usually not very pleasant in interviews, definitely not after games that like they played not great. So I'm interviewing him. It's a horrible experience. Anytime I asked him a question, like he wouldn't give me like honestly any information. Um, he was super pessimistic. Like I think I asked something along the lines of like, like, like what are you proud of or something like that? And he was like, no, we played like shit. Like these, these girls didn't do their job. They didn't do anything right. And I'm here thinking, like, well, obviously they won the game. <laughs> There's some resilience this there. Isn't even a loss. <laughs> so this guy the so the oh, it was terrible. So <laughs> were you the only one? I at finally the got. I was the only one. There. Oh my god. <laughs> So I was the only one asking interview questions. So finally, after I'm done, I go and I start writing my story and my sports editor calls and he's like, how was it? And I'm crying. I'm like, it was absolutely horrible. (laughs) The coach is really mean. And my Wi-Fi wasn't working very well during the game. So I couldn't get my live stats pulled up very quickly. It was very stressful. But honestly, like that was like my journalism low. So it's only gone up from there. (laughs) So, so far throughout your career, what's your journalism high? No, you do not get to make that Drake reference, Nate. I didn't say, I didn't say the second part. I just wanted to say something. I, I completely stepped on Nate's toes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, sports media high. 
sports media high. Um, as much as I loved baseball, I would probably say um, volleyball's regional win against Washington at home. It was the craziest sports environment I think I've ever been in. Gregory Gym's pretty small. I think it only like has like a 5,000, 6,000 person capacity, but like, it, 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 everything was completely sold out. And we were down two sets. We were getting dominated in the third set and Coach Elliott called the timeout. And during this timeout, every fan in the gym basically stood up and started chanting Texas fight and gave the girls a standing ovation, even though they were getting their butts kicked. And after that, they just went off. They rallied back, won the third set, dominated the fourth set, dominated the fifth set, moved on to play Nebraska. And unfortunately, they lost, but it was a really fun environment to be in. Twitter was crazy. The atmosphere was crazy. And it, it was just really cool seeing them rally back the way that they did. Sounds like a sports movie, but it's like one of the ones where they don't want you to be cliche and win it all, but they want you to have that moment. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was Rocky one, not Rocky three. <laughs> <laughs> I was really nervous after I asked that question that you were going to bring up the super regional. I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't, <laughs> but you see, I feel like I would if I was there, but I wasn't mm. there. So I don't have like the full experience of, you know, it. who was there. No, so that was, you. you know, who experienced their sports low at that game. <laughs> I would say, I'm sorry, but I really don't feel any remorse. <laughs> I thought it was funny though. Like, usually... Hey, I thought you said only one horn. Down <laughs> the show. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Um, Chris, he used to like, like usually his, in, like his titles to his articles are always kind of happy and all that. Mm. That one just skewed balls and super regional. Done. <laughs> like nothing. What more is there to say? It was a disappointing <laughs> set of events. But you know what? It's still about them pirates, baby. Let's go, pirates. <laughs> the pirates peaked. That's a co. <laughs> oh, no. We're about to be down a co host. <laughs> um, what, what was I about to say? I don't know either. Anyway, uh, no, yeah, I definitely feel you. I think my sports high was uh, men's basketball when they hit the game winner over Memphis. Um, what's his name? The the center for Memphis got drafted 10th, 10th or 11th overall uh, on Thursday night, which was really cool to see. Oh, wow. And then, you know, Amani Bates had a complete shutout of a game, which was terrific. You got to see Penny Hardaway. Yes, Penny Hardaway was the peak. And then I think my low has been the Super Regional because that's the most emotionally invested I've ever been in a series of all time. And Jordan did not let up at all. She gave me crap all weekend. Oh, oh you're giving – don't dish it out if you can't take it. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. In the seventh inning of game two when ECU, ECU was up seven to two. What I don't even remember exactly what it was I said, but I said something about a fat lady singing. I mean, I have screenshots of all of them. <laughs> uh, I have receipts. <laughs> the most disappointed I've ever been. And then she deep fried a picture of me. <laughs> Bro, you need to like frame those screenshots and just label it Chris's disappointment. Like, yikes! Hang mm -hmm. it on the wall. It's okay though. You were still invited okay. to the pod. I've, I've, I've pulled some of them up. Okay. Oh, oh no! So, yes. 
I found. I hope you enjoyed the lead while you had it. You're not getting it. I said that in the second inning. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like the purple and gold is lo the long horn kryptonite. I texted my EC. Wait. For a while, uh, that that was pretty accurate. Um, I also have, I don't want to say the fat lady's singing, but I think it's a wrap. Yeah, that was the seventh inning. And then, you know, the wheels fell off of our pitching rotation, which yeah. is whatever. Baseball. It, it definitely is. Baseball. That was as tough. A, as a Tampa Bay Rays and Atlanta Braves fan, I feel you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, it'll be all right. Being a Tampa fan. Is that probably. dad behind you? No, that's I'm, I'm gonna. Do oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but for the the video watchers of the pod, they're gonna get to enjoy this experience. For the listeners out there, there's someone behind Jordan just chilling. I guess <laughs> Austin hasn't been able to see you this whole time. By the way, <laughs> we're gonna figure out a way to. Oh, I'm sorry. Future pods for this one. Oh man, so. Speaking of baseball, uh, after you covered volleyball in the fall semester, you covered baseball in the spring semester. <laughs> Do we need to take a pause? I think we're okay. <laughs> I just see a giant piece of plywood getting dragged. <laughs> That's definitely a clip for the TikTok. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, you covered baseball in the spring. What was that experience like being, you know, a part of, I don't want to say a top 25 program, but what ended up being a top 25 program? I mean, it was, it was amazing. We definitely got humbled really hard because I think both me and the other baseball beat reporter Hunter, like, I think after we beat LSU at the Shriners Classic, we're like, there's no way this team is losing a game. Like, like not only are we going to remain the number one team and sweep through Omaha, but we're not going to lose. Like, I can't even see us dropping a series. Yeah. And then before the UCLA game, Tanner Witt, we find out he's out. He's scratched. We don't know why. Lucas Gordon comes into the game. He's pretty bad. I mean, to be fair, he's really hadn't started a weekend game against a fairly solid baby Bruins program. And then we find out a few days later that Tanner Witt is out for the season with Tommy John surgery. Ooh. But we still had, we still had really high expectations for the year. And then we went on the road for like 11 days playing a bunch of South Carolina teams. And it was just um, like morally just so incredibly low for the program kind of bounced back we never really caught momentum until we had the walk off against air force and then we swept baylor at home and then oklahoma state comes to the dish and like i thought the season was over after we lost that final game because we were up like seven to two or something crazy like that in the seventh inning boy and it's basically what happened with <laughs> imagine being up seven to two in the seventh <laughs> inning it was it was fairly it was fairly horrible. The bullpen just absolutely choked that one away. The moment that Lucas came out of that game, it was over. And I did not think that Texas like I, 
like I knew that they would make the postseason tournament, but I didn't think there was a real shot at even hosting a regional at that point. We came in as a number five seed into the Big 12 championship and we performed fairly well, got a number nine seed, so close to potentially hosting a regional, ended up sweeping the regional and going on the road to ECU. It's definitely been an emotional roller coaster of a season, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. So what what are your do you know what you're covering in the fall? Do you have any expectations on what's next? Um I have I have a few things that I could be covering in the fall. If I don't end up covering football, it'll probably be men's or women's basketball. Okay, cool. So we're, we're just going to have to see what happens. Well, I already know how 2022-2023 Texas football is going to go. They're just going to say, well, we get Archie Manning next year. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been a Texas fan for so long that as much as I would love to buy into the hype, I never do. Because there's always these really high expectations. We get this crazy player from a recruiting class, and then we lose to Kansas. Lose to Kansas. I mean, I think I think that we're going to be really good in maybe like a year or two. I think I think next season, if we're playing for a Big 12 championship, it's a successful season. Mm-hmm. So I do have a question, though, about the Texas program right now. What are your Already, thoughts what's up? on the exit of the Big 12 and into the SEC? Um, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be really fun, really competitive, going to bring a lot of money into the program. I don't know how football is going to hang on, but I think all of our other sports are going to be fine. Oh, sure. um, honestly, the SEC is kind of like a step down for volleyball. I think it's going to be easy, like even easier for them. Um. It's definitely going to be very interesting to watch. Obviously, SEC baseball is really competitive, so I am really looking forward to seeing those matchups every season. I mean, there's just so many blue blood programs in the SEC, so it's, it's going to be fun to Which watch. Are, they're putting you in the SEC West, right? Um, I don't think they've exactly figured it out oh, yet because okay. they they still have to like do some realignment. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like yearly matchups against Alabama, and like LSU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be some fun football and, uh, and baseball. I'll say that but. it might not be fun football. <laughs> um, it's it's still going to be fun football, but like football is fun whenever you lose. Yeah, still. I mean, it'll, it'll be fun. But there's something about losing to Alabama, forty-five to three, that just really <laughs> hurts. A little demoralizing. I think Texas though they're going to be like a And since Texas A and M came in and Missouri came in, Missouri we just need to say bye to. But I think there's going to be a few years of some struggle, and I think they're starting to they're going to gain momentum just like Texas Tech and they'll be Alabama. I see it at some point. I I think so too. Eventually, like I'm thinking, like um, like the 2024 season, 2025 season, we're going to be like a little bit settled in. So long as Texas doesn't do its typical thing where they like throw money at any issue that comes their way and start firing, like. Yeah coaches i think they should be fine so what are your career goals past texas and the daily texan um as of right now i essentially want to work as a learning specialist in a college athletics program so essentially what that means is like helping athletes with like the academic side of things like almost as an academic advisor but also doing a lot of like career counseling like mentorship in general and developing academic programs to where 
they're like encouraged to be like really engaged in their studies and that they feel prepared for everything like after like their careers because at the end of the day only two percent of college athletes go pro and even at ut where we have a lot of really good athletes a a lot of them aren't graduating from ut it's a problem across like all d1 power five schools and just the way that athletes are kind of treated at d1 colleges it's really gross so i would love to come in apply my like communication and leadership background, all the mentorship I, stuff that I do to something that I'm really passionate about. Go in there and take that Pat Summoner approach, 100% graduation or nothing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So do you want to stay in Texas with that or would you want to look elsewhere? Um, well, I essentially, to do that, I have to pursue grad school. So some grad programs that I'm looking at would be UTs just because I'm like already, like I have a lot of like really good connections here and it's close to be cheap. I'm also looking at Michigan Ann Arbor, Cal Poly, Harvard, a few other programs. Did you say Harvard? That's <laughs> crazy. It's Harvard. Okay, honestly. <laughs> she said that is like her fourth school on the list. But you. I mean, I'm. I'm still like looking into like that entire process. I haven't done as much research as I'd like, gotcha. but honestly, like doing my grad program at UT is my number one, but UT's grad program is really, really hard to get into. Incredibly prestigious. Harder than Harvard. Actually, I think, I think a decent amount of ours like are, oh, wow. or like on the same wavelength. It's pretty hard to get into UT's grad programs, especially if you're doing something STEM related. That's crazy. That is crazy. What's the coolest interview or person you've met through this whole process? Ooh. Um, I really liked one of the volleyball interviews that I did with Bailey Webster. She was an athlete at UT, like I think like 2010, 2011, 2012. She won the national championship with UT and she was inducted into our Hall of Honor this past fall. And it was a really fun like phone conversation that we had because she's actually like a current student at UT. She's getting her master's in business oh, wow. and she's done a lot with her career through. Can't remember exactly what she does. She does something business related, but she's also been like a color commentator on Longhorn Network and she still does a lot of mentorship stuff and she's still like very invested in like the UT community and like the volleyball community here. And she was just really, really fun to talk to. I think like one of the really cool experiences that she shared with me was um, whenever you get inducted into the Hall of Honor, you come to one of the football games and you get to like, um, get acknowledged during halftime. And one of the cheerleaders came up to her and said that she took a picture with Bailey like whenever she was 12 years old at one of her volleyball camps. So it was kind of like a really cool full circle moment. And they took a picture together and like, they got to like compare it on their social medias. It was really, really, really wholesome. That's a sweet moment. Yeah. Very sweet moment. Honestly, like me and Bailey, like immediately connected over our phone call, even though it wasn't even like with video, it was just like an audio phone call. Mm. And it was just really cool to talk to her. Like she's very inspirational, very driven. And super just, like, fun to talk to. You Sometimes you forget that, like, athletes are just normal people. Mm. And, yeah, she was just a 
normal, really cool person. Cool. If you could do one interview with anyone outside of Juju Smith Schuster, who would it be <laughs> and why? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um I mean it can be Juju Smith Schuster. Tom Brady, that'd be a great interview. <laughs> Tom Brady. It has to be Tampa Tom, right though? Like cause Um, I don't I don't even care. I mean I I so basically we're gonna circle back to that two thousand eleven season. When the Texans were out, my dad was like, okay, we're just going to watch like all the Patriots football games. Mm. <laughs> and that was the year that the Patriots played the Giants in the Super Bowl for, I think, the second yep. time. Yeah. So they lost that one. But then after that, any time that the Texans were playing bad, which was fairly frequent, my dad would just turn off the game and turn on like the Patriots yeah. game. <laughs> so I grew up watching a lot of Tom oh, Brady. Wow. And so it's like, I'm definitely just like – very connected to him as a player because that's really who I like grew up watching. So I, I think he'd be a really fun interview. I vividly remember that 2011 helmet catch. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to verify something. So the same person earlier in the story who harassed you for being a Steelers fan, he's a Chiefs fan. Isn't Juju his number one wide receiver now? Oh my word. <laughs> What a I full mean, circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. Just made that connection. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I'm going to have to touch base with him because I think he's on the Daily Texan now, too. He's not a sports reporter, he's like a videographer or something. Mm -hmm. But he also does a lot of stuff with like um, TSTV, which is like our sports, um, our sports like broadcasting network or whatever. Yeah. Hey, remember that time you made fun of me for this? What about this? <laughs> Where's Tyreek now? Pull up the depth chart. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one final question for you. What do you have to say okay. to all the heartbroken ECU fans out there? Because <laughs> I feel like in a way it's kind of your fault that they lost. What? Her just, fault specifically? Yeah, just broadcasting all of my hate that I was spamming her way when they were up. Sorry that y'all had to play Texas during your Super Regional. <laughs> probably the worst, worst matchup you could have been presented with. Yeah. Um, y'all will be back next year and hook them horns. All right. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to say to all the listeners and viewers before we leave? Um, be sure to follow my Twitter at the Jordan Kenzie, T H E J O R D A N K E N Z I E. I post lots of um, deep fried players on my Twitter. So that's something that you can look forward to. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was so much fun. And one final thing horns down. We'll see you next week on the Small World Podcast. All right.